Quick disclaimer for this episode, this is a sensitive topic and we are not professionals, but we do want to remind that while not all toxic relationships are abusive, some are just unhealthy, there are resources provided if you do think you are in an abusive relationship. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is 800-799-7233 or you can text the word START to 88788. We will also have international resources in the episode description, including domesticshelters.org and a domestic violence resource guide. For LGBTQ-specific resources, as well as people in the kink and polyamorous communities, there is the network slash La Red at 800-832-1901. Everybody and welcome back to Sapphic Survival Guide, where we are queer to answer your questions. I'm Gina and I'm Cheyenne, and class is now in session. Today we are talking about toxic relationships, which obviously uh, can be a genderless experience. Have you had a toxic relationship in general, like l- lesbian or not, queer or not? Oh yeah, definitely. And like, <laughs> I'm not going to say that I didn't play a part in it because I think even choosing to be in a relationship with like toxic dynamics or with a toxic person is just like toxic in general um yeah yeah I was gonna ask you the same but I already I didn't know the answer but I I guess for for our audience (laughs) yeah really just one wow (laughs) I don't consider my other relationships like (laughs) I don't really consider the other ones toxic I know that there were like mistakes made Mm but I wouldn't consider them like overall toxic. That's more just like understanding why it didn't work out, which I think is a difference. You know, most of my relationships fall into the category of like successful, but ended for a reason, or we weren't compatible, but made it work for a period of time. And Mm. there's really only one that I actually think the mistake uh, fell into toxic. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Couldn't regret that experience more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Okay. Thinking about it, I have, like one past relationship where I would say like definitely toxic and definitely like knew I didn't need to be in that but it was like such like an addictive cycle of like highs and lows and promises and wanting to get my needs met and like they're not getting met and then you know thinking like okay if if this little thing changes like then we can just like make it work but then that little thing never changed and mm-hmm. it it just was like a mess and like everyone in my life like congratulated me when we broke up and <laughs> told me the whole time I should not be with this person um and then I feel like the rest oh, of man. my relationships definitely had like toxic aspects but I think a big part of that had to do with like communication and like the ways that almost socialized to like communicate or not communicate yeah I've definitely had those kinds of like crazy girlfriend tendencies but I in for me personally, I attribute that to my like immaturity at the time, mm-hmm. uh, because in like relationships later in life, we had a trust where I wasn't like going through phones and things. But I, yeah. I do understand that level of like, oh, I'm supposed to be 
checking up on you or mm-hmm. testing you in these ways. The toxicness though of the relationships that I've been in wasn't just like small little petty things like that. Like to me, that's like petty crime, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what I deem like toxic about the like the relationship I was in was more like he really damaged my self-worth, my self-esteem. Mm-hmm. He put me in actual physical danger a couple mm-hmm. times. And even when I would like, I don't know, we'd go through cycles of like fighting and then, you know, making up. And I think that was like an addictive high to him. And there were so many things that went into it. But those are those were levels that were above just like going through someone's phone. Like, mm-hmm you shouldn't, I don't know. I I can't like incriminate him. Um, but you shouldn't, I shouldn't be, for example, like marking my alcohol bottles because my boyfriend might drink them and not tell me. And then I Mm -hmm. have to like, see what, see whether or not he's lying by where the Sharpie mark is like, that's talk. That's toxic. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a weird, like spectrum. And I feel like what we're taught by like, even like the media of what like what a normal healthy relationship is is never like accurate like think about like Bella and Edward in Twilight and he was literally like stalking her and like watching mm-hmm. her sleep and we we're all supposed to like same with 50 over. shades of gray he was literally yeah. stalking her too yeah and we're supposed to like swoon and be like that's so romantic and, mm-hmm. and I don't know I guess it is probably like a kink for some people but I feel like for the most part mm-hmm. you shouldn't want someone watching you out of the out of your window um yeah so like yeah I feel like I've had to like unlearn a lot of what I was taught was like normal or you know like even still what I see in other people's relationships and I'm like that's shouldn't be happening that's sad that it is when that like pettiness all compiles like oh like one instance of somebody being petty doesn't make a toxic relationship Mm -hmm. but when that's like your constant dynamic and then you're not sure if they're like playing games or being truthful that's when you're that's when it becomes like Mm -hmm. toxic so that's why that's why there is like its own spectrum of levels of toxicity where it's like blatant abuse versus underlying like manipulation that you like don't even really know know what's happening or like is miniature I don't know so getting started on the questions one of the ones we got was how do you determine if a relationship is toxic if you don't have any experience with relationships um relationships overall are supposed to be fun and happy and make you feel better about yourself not because not like in a sense that you need it to feel better about yourself but I think it's really beautiful when you already really like yourself and then you get to see yourself through the eyes of somebody else who likes Mm -hmm. you. And it should be this empowering thing. So if you start to not feel good in your relationship, I think that's a time to start examining what's going on. And that could feel like a lot of different things. But generally, if you're feeling not good, more than good, things are tipped the wrong way. And there's probably something toxic somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, I like that. Uh, I also think like your relationship, especially after you get past like the honeymoon phase, should feel kind of like boring, but not in like a boring way, but more like peaceful and serene. Like it shouldn't be like, oh, I'm dreading waking up because I'm just like living the same day over and over. But like you shouldn't be chasing like highs and lows, like I said before. Right. Like it shouldn't be like a roller coaster of emotions every single day and obviously some of us have mental health issues where it can be like that 
internally but like with within your relationship it shouldn't be like that cycle of highs and lows and I think that's like a good way to determine if it's healthy or not if you're experiencing that no totally and I can remember like times in my relationships that weren't healthy where I just felt this anxiety over the fragility of our relationship. And I think Mm. things like, okay, I just want things to be good again. I just want things to be like this again. If I can do this, then this will happen. And it's all of this like future planning when the relationship as is, is clearly not good. Mm -hmm. And so if you're saying that to yourself a lot, like, well, I just want this and I just want that. And I just, well, then no, you're not getting what you need, period. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have also been in that like thought pattern where it's just like you're chasing something that doesn't exist and you have to like look at the relationship for what it currently is and not what it could be or what it once was because it's literally not always going to get back to that yeah it's so painful and like for me with my one really toxic relationship I was like chasing those highs and like hoping like okay if I change this it'll get better this changes it'll get better and then eventually got to a point where I was just like checked out like emotionally mentally Mm -hmm. like I was just like the highs aren't that high anymore like it's like a tiny little peak instead of like a huge mountain like I'm like not getting enough out of the relationship that like the lows are worth it for me anymore or that I think we can like come back from it um yeah actually you like saying that goes with this next question somebody asked why do we still miss them after we've walked away and for me the way that you just said like you were so done so exhausted like that's how I was at the end of that relationship now it took me several times to like walk Mm -hmm. away and have it stick and I and not that I consider that like an abusive relationship but I have heard a statistic that the average abusive relationship it takes like seven times for somebody to successfully leave and again that was not an abusive relationship but I still think that's just a fact of like it's hard to leave things you're really comfortable in or like that you have stake in. Like I had put all this effort into this relationship. And at times I didn't want to walk away because it felt like it would have all been for nothing. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I probably would have missed them. And I don't know, but by the time me personally got to the actual end, I was so fed up that it was a relief. I didn't miss Mm -hmm. him. I don't miss him. And it was like such a I felt like I could finally take a breath. So I almost like I commend the person for who asked this question because it sounds like you got out sooner than I did, which is a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. And exactly what you said about the feeling like you've invested so much time. That's actually a thing called sunk cost theory, where it's like why people stay in marriages or at certain jobs or in certain majors longer because they're like, Mm -hmm. I've spent all this time. I can't just start over now. So they stick with things when usually that's like not the right not that there is any right answer, but that's probably not right. the best thing. And I actually was a psych major when I was in college. And we talked in my positive psychology class, I believe, about positive and negative emotions and like the way we retain the memories of like those feelings over time. And I guess like, okay, I feel like I could be wrong about this, but I, I think this is how it went. But basically your negative emotions associated with experiences tend to fade over time and positive ones tend to stay the same. So that would make sense for why like you would miss mm. a toxic person because those negative emotions are fading, attach those memories with them. And the positive ones are still there, like as strong as they were or like slightly less strong, but like 
the negative ones are faded away because that's like kind of how we like keep ourselves from being in like a depressive spiral constantly is by like being able to forget those negative memories and negative feelings no that makes so much sense because I'll talk to my best friend I'll be like what are you talking about we had a great relationship with like some of my other exes and she'll be like Gina did you forget this did you forget (laughs) that and I'll be like oh look it's not like that big of a deal now but like at the time yeah like that was a huge gigantic deal and you were like crying Mm -hmm. for days like don't tell me like at me as your best friend who consoled you that that's Mm -hmm. no big deal to you now but like that's yeah psychology of it yeah yeah so that's I think that that definitely plays a role and also like when you walk away from a relationship you're walking away from like the future that you had with them and like the future you had planned and all of like the hopes and dreams you had for it so like Mm -hmm. of course it's gonna hurt because you're losing that person and you're losing the ideal of that person in that relationship so it sucks but it's for the best I think and I feel like most people once they finally get out of it they are able to realize that but when you're in the trenches like that it is so hard because you're like they need me or if I can just fix them if I can help them like I feel like a lot of it for me has come down to like a savior complex Uh, yeah yeah. I think if you do miss them after it's just showing that like there was something good you saw in that person in the first place if circumstances were different maybe it would have worked out but circumstances aren't different and they were hurting you and that's why you've walked away Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's like wrong to miss somebody because it just proves like you're not obviously heartless. You did like them and connect to them for some reason. It's just mm-hmm. unfortunate that things aren't going to you know, always pan out yeah. like a fairy tale in the end. Yeah. So the next question we got was, how do you stop feeling guilty about the role you played in them? Them meaning the toxic relationship. I guess that that changes situation to situation because of, I mean, it's self-aware I think to even ask the question because everybody does play in a role a role in every relationship um Mm -hmm. even in my toxic relationship I did enable things you know that I don't stand by today and that does lead to a feeling of guilt one thing I guess that I can take with me to not feel guilty is that I don't repeat that behavior in my next relationship. Mm -hmm. So like those patterns are not, and hopefully will not ever be in the relationship I have today. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually something that I've talked with my therapist about somewhat recently, like the past few months. And basically from what we've talked about, the only thing that you can really do is like give yourself grace and like stop Mm -hmm. like beating yourself down because that's not gonna like change anything like it's in the the past and all you can really do is focus on like the present and the future and like what you've learned from them and yeah grow and (laughs) don't repeat those toxic relationship patterns and don't allow other people to engage with you in that way if you can stop it um yeah obviously not not everything is in our control but like yeah basically just for the future now you have that knowledge and now you can like grow beyond yeah. that yeah I agree so speaking of knowledge let's say that you are now aware that this person is toxic somebody asked is it worth trying to convince others that the toxic person is toxic yeah I think it really depends on the extent of toxicity like are they an a abuser or that like is it something very severe that like could be 
life-threatening or just like emotional safety threatening I think it depends if if it's like that far I think it is worth it but if it's something like they I don't know it's so hard to say because so many things seem to be like traumatizing for different people because I want to say like if they lie a lot or like they gaslight or something maybe it's not worth it to go out of your way but I know that can be like very traumatic well even like who are you going to convince you know like the next person they're dating your friends and family like I I think it kind of depends on that too because if it's like something that's in the past you don't maybe need to go like convince your friends and family if it's just in the past but yeah like if they're gonna go abuse other people you should probably fucking say something because right it's not like enable them to do that again right yeah but also at the same time like I think people try to do that and then (laughs) the people that they're trying to convince don't believe them and it becomes like a big thing because like I have read about like narcissists and stuff and them going and being like oh well my ex is crazy like or or the people that are just I've read about like tell you this about me yeah yeah like all my exes are crazy like if they try to contact you don't believe them and all this shit like that and so it's like I feel like other people have tried to warn in the past and that's why they use that line. And so in those instances, is it worth trying to warn them? And like, I don't know. I feel like usually when I hear those stories, it doesn't seem like the other person gets through to them because it seems like the toxic person has already like kind of like manipulated to the point where like they're not going to believe whatever you say but also I do think it is worth it in some scenarios I don't it really depends on like the relationship but also sometimes I think like people perpetuate like certain toxic like interactions or patterns of behavior but I think sometimes it's not perpetuated like in every relationship like people respond Mm. to different people differently if that makes sense and like people engage differently so I don't think it's always going to happen again but also I think it's worth it to try and stop it if you can but also I I don't have like much hope about being able to stop those things just from what I've seen so yeah I don't know it's hard to hard to say yeah I agree I think that's a good spot to take a little break and then we can come back and answer the rest And we are back. The next question we have is how do I stop scapegoating and blaming people in a situation who aren't the cause? I think that takes some reflection. So maybe don't jump to any conclusions initially and give yourself time to like think and process. Cause like we said before, every situation, there's multiple people who are going to play a role. Mm-hmm. And so any of the people in the situation that you're naming probably play some sort of a role, but that doesn't mean that they're to blame or had bad intent or whatever. So like maybe pause before playing the blame game and like, think about it and reflect before jumping right to conclusions. Yeah. I think you need to like reflect and like, think about the role that you specifically played. Like maybe other people did play a role, but if you're saying like, I need to stop, like, scapegoating and blaming other people you're recognizing that perhaps your role in the scenario was bigger or like the key issue so I think stopping and reflecting maybe this would be something that like journaling would be good for or therapy or just like 
starting a voice note on your phone and talking out the situation and then mm-hmm. listening to it back and like thinking about your role and things like just some sort of like reflection there because it just seems like there's no gap between whatever this scenario is and the reaction to it and maybe that's why like you're missing the piece you played in that situation I love the like play it out and a voice note and listen back or like Mm -hmm. my therapist has recommended like that empty chair exercise where you like talk like you're talking to somebody, but you're not actually talking to them yet, mm-hmm. which can be a good way to like make sure that when you do talk to somebody, you don't say things you don't mean or yeah. like you've kind of practiced a bit. And so if you want, if you're going through a blame game in your mind, like put that person in the fake chair and to talk out loud to them. And by the end of the, your fake conversation, see if you feel the same or whatever. Mm-hmm. And talking things out a lot of times you can get some of that frustration initially pass and then you get down to like what you're really feeling mm. yeah that's I've never heard that one before I like that it, it reminds me of like the advice you always hear about like writing a letter to the person but like not yep. sending it to them but like but more... writing takes a lot of time that you know yeah like... yeah <laughs> I personally is, uh, like easy never for me. do that kind of reflection thing yeah that is definitely something I would be more likely to do so I like that advice uh another yeah. question we got is is it toxic to stay friends with your long distance ex well pff, asking me I'm friends with my oh my gosh and my ex is my ex that I'm friends with is now long distance <laughs> um which does change things because if you're long distance in your friends like what does that mean do you just connect on the mm-hmm. phone are you actually making like plans to visit each other for me it just means we're gonna like text her about drag race and sturdy valley and other things that are like relevant um so that's not toxic and it's also mm-hmm. within my girlfriend's boundaries so that's not toxic those things not being true like if we were i don't know not respecting my girlfriend's boundaries or our communication was unhealthy. Like there's no need to have that, but the situation isn't inherently toxic in and of itself. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's not like an inherently toxic thing. And it depends on like the level of friendship and boundaries and just like all the dynamics. Like, are you staying at home every day? Because this person doesn't want you to go out and interact with anyone without them there, Mm -hmm. but they're long distance. So you like are expected to just like sit at home like is it like a weird scenario like that are you stepping on anyone's or I guess are you crossing anyone's boundaries there's just like a lot to play but just like inherently it's fine to stay friends with your ex whether they're long distance or live five minutes away from you yeah, uh I agree. Yeah. well so similar to that another question is emotional dependence toxic yeah, because I'm thinking, like, does your happiness or their happiness hinge on each other's happiness or unhappiness? Or, like, are you only happy if they had a good day or vice versa? Like, I feel like I'm definitely... Um, that sounds so exhausting. I'm definitely that person where I, like, emotionally just, like, so down in the dumps if I feel like I'm not, like, fixing other people's like bad days even though that's not my okay cancer yeah no it's like I need to like nurture and I need to make it all better and I need to fix it but like 
really, I don't need to do that. And it's not my responsibility. And I'm not responsible for other people's feelings. That's something else that I've been talking about in therapy a lot, because I do feel responsible for other people's feelings. And that's not my responsibility. And like, obviously, we have to like, look at the role we play in affecting people and Mm -hmm. their emotions, but we're not responsible for them or how they respond to things. But that's like something that's really hard for me, because I feel like it was ingrained to me from a young age that like, you made me feel bad or you hurt me or whatever like just very I don't know I feel like I've always had to like coddle the people around me so it's hard for yeah. me to break out of that mold uh so yeah that's it's definitely toxic but I don't think it's necessarily like toxic in some of the ways the other things we talked about are toxic I think it's more of like it, I think it can impact the other person but really it's very toxic for you internally because your emotional right. stage depend on someone else's or like making someone else happy because that's just going to lead to people pleasing and having your boundaries walked all over and not being happy and not getting what you want out of life at all and it's not fun so to me it seems like just kind of bad like coping skills where you're using another person not just as somebody to lean on but it's like it it the word dependence is what makes me think that it has gone too far because Mm -hmm. you shouldn't need dependency but um emotional support is not toxic like you are allowed to have a support system and somebody who is able to hold you up but Mm -hmm. not like if they're not there your world's gonna come crashing down kind of way yeah yeah that's the difference definitely agree um this so okay this next question is interesting because it doesn't actually say the word toxic but it was obviously (laughs) sent in for this episode so I'm going to assume this person thinks the situation is toxic, which just as a preface, I agree. Um, Somebody (laughs) said, I'm meeting my girlfriend's parents, but as her friend and not her girlfriend because she's not out yet. Have you ever been in this situation or no? So basically I've been on like both sides of this equation and it's like not fun and uncomfortable on both sides. Um, For me, like (laughs) my mom met a few of my exes before I came out but like it wasn't Mm. like a planned thing it was like she just popped over and they happened to be over so they had to like meet her and so I was like yeah this is my friend um which yeah so that like sucks like in a different way I think um but like so does the being the girlfriend one I was kind of in this situation with my one ex who I lived with because she was out to her mom, but her mom wasn't like, you know, quote unquote, supportive of her lifestyle. And Mm. so she told her mom I was her roommate, which I was like, well, if I'm never going to meet your mom, I don't really care. But Mm -hmm. then she was like, oh, my mom might like come over and visit. And I was like, so your mom's going to come into our home and I have to pretend like you're not my girlfriend. Like, yeah, I basically told her that's a boundary for me. Like if mm-hmm. you want to lie to your mom and whatever on your own time, that's your own business. But I'm not going to play like I'm not going to sit here and lie to your mom and pretend like you're not my girlfriend. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to like meet your mom under some guys. And while her mom is not supportive, like what about a parent who like is and they just haven't been given the opportunity to do that yet because mm-hmm. of that queer person's journey, which is totally fair if they're not like ready. But then it's also not fair to the person who has to like mm-hmm. pretend. I don't know. It just feels very 
sneaky in a way to me. So I, that was my personal opinion. I told her like, you you go to your mom and you say, oh, my roommate's Gina, blah, 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 all you want. But I'm not going to, if your mom comes here, I'm not acting any different than I do in my home every single day. And mm-hmm. she did kind of like, see, my point was like, yeah, like, why am I even letting somebody who doesn't accept my life into my space? And so mm-hmm. she was like, if I see my mom, I will go there. But that was my own boundary in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think it becomes toxic when like those boundaries are crossed because obviously someone else could be in that same exact situation and not have an issue with pretending to be roommates and then exactly a a lot of people do have an issue so it it just depends on like the specific scenario of whether it's seen as toxic or not like I've personally been the person meeting the girlfriend's parents but it was like not someone I was like officially dating so like I was cool with just being introduced as a friend at that point you know what I mean but like we were more than friends but like you weren't hiding some like long, serious relationship. Yeah. 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 So it wasn't like a boundary cross for me. Yeah. You have to know what your own boundaries are because like mm. you said, somebody else might be totally comfortable being like, maybe some of the people would rather be like, I want to get to know them as your friend. And then after they love me, that's when mm. they'll understand if that's your route. I'm not here to tell you what or what not to do with your own family. But to the person who sent this in, like, if this situation is crossing your boundary, you need to express that because you are allowed to have a boundary. Like, I'm allowed to say I didn't want to pretend to be the roommate. That's that's so okay. That was fine. Mm -hmm. But I communicated it in a way that, like, was healthy and was just kind of like, I'm not changing your relationship, but that's not a relationship I'm going Mm -hmm. to engage in. So know like where your line is on that and let your partner know. Yeah. And speaking of setting boundaries, the last question we have today is how do you avoid a toxic relationship? So the advice I'd give myself, like looking back on what, like when I ended up in a toxic Mm -hmm. relationship there were some really clear red flags very shortly yeah. in the beginning of our relationship. I'm talking like date three, there were some super clear red flags that not only did I ignore, but I like low-key at the time saw as a challenge to overcome, which was problematic mm-hmm. of me of, of myself because like uh, I'd let it affect so many things. But um, if you see the red flags when they appear, you can avoid toxic relationship even if you're even if that's like later on whenever your gut feeling kicks in listen to it and like don't wait that's like that's the only thing I can say Mm -hmm. yeah like you can't just continue to like idealize this person and be like well once this happens they'll be different and or the scenario will be different like you have to look at the relationship that you are in and not what it could be if this person magically changes or if you magically change like there could be Mm -hmm. things on both ends that don't mesh well together and are causing toxicity um and I also think a big thing is like seeking stability and like calm in the relationship and like still having like excitement and fun but like I said the highs and lows are not Mm -hmm. normal like that's I I don't think there are any healthy relationships where it's like emotional highs and lows like that. So you don't, you don't want like that kind of thing going on or like constant breakups and getting back together or like them 
ghosting you for three days and then just popping back up like nothing happened like it should just be like I don't know mature stable healthy like what adjective do I need to use here yeah so yeah I think that's like a big thing for me was realizing that yeah that's like exciting and it's fun but sometimes most of the time not really but it gets old after a while and that's not like what Mm. we should be seeking if we want a healthy relationship yeah and I think the media has at times again like genderlessly glorified toxic relationships because it's like something to root for or it's like a good story or it you know they're they do this because they love you or all these tropes and reasons that obviously aren't I don't know productive to your actual day-to-day life like they might be in some stupid like film you know what I mean but Mm -hmm. I feel like as two people who are currently in wildly healthy relationships this feels, and I think you can agree, so much better yeah. than any of the highs that you're going to have. Like, I yeah. can't emphasize that more. Yeah, I I fully agree. I was just, like, thinking today, like, I can't believe I got so lucky. And it was, like, after I finally decided to, like, leave a very toxic relationship that I was, like, you know what? I'm done settling. Like, I'm done putting up with this. I deserve like the kind of relationship I want to have and the kind of partner that I want to be. I deserve to like get that back. And like, once I finally like stop settling, I'm not saying it's like that easy, like the, the universe just granted me this or whatever, but I don't know. I think like it, it makes the good relationship even better. If you're like, damn, I like came out on the other side of that. It really helps you like appreciate the good in other people. Yeah. But being in a relationship with somebody that really does love and care for you in a way that is the furthest thing from toxic is like the best yeah it is the best okay and with that we are done if you want to leave us a question you can follow us on social media we're at sapphic survival guide on every platform except for twitter which we're just at sapphic survival you can also send us an email at sapphic survival guide at gmail.com and we have a phone number if you want to leave us a voicemail that number is 724-209-8877 if you want to help other people find us you can go rate review subscribe do all the things on spotify uh, apple podcasts where Wherever you listen to us <laughs> and you can find us on patreon at patreon.com backslash sapphic survival guide and you can find me cheyenne at hot Maspian, on pretty much any social media platform and you can find me anywhere online at the Libra including my website thelibragina.com um hello season two should be wrapping up so you can go listen to that anywhere you listen to podcasts for all of your jersey shore content and yeah thanks for for listening and with that class is now dismissed.